Welcome, ladies and gents, to Failure to Launch, a choose-your-own-adventure podcast where we make up the story as we go along. My name's Jonathan Barber, I'm a screenwriter for hire, and welcome to Season 2 of the show. For those of you who are just joining us, get out of here and go listen to Season 1. But for the rest of the listening audience, it's so good to have you back. As I'm sure you all remember from last season, we wrapped up the story of Dark Waters, and this time we're tackling a brand new tale called If Women Ruled the World. Should be pretty self-explanatory. So for the brand new story, we've also got a brand new cast. Let me introduce you to them quickly. For the first time on the show, we have my very good friends, Brayden Shambly. Hello. We've also got David Bowick. Hey, what's going on? And our first ever woman on the show, Alexis Dickerson. Hi. <laughs> so progressive. So progressive. <laughs> so progressive. And I'm, a, and I'm a woman of color, so true progression right there. It's so great to have you all. Thanks for coming out. So before we start the story, uh, I want to do like last season, I want to have the characters or the players introduce their characters and tell us about the special traits that each of them have. Uh, who wants to go first? All right, so this is David Bowick here. Um, my character is Alexander Bordeaux. So he has a French last name, and his special ability is he is silver-tongued, and he has a photographic memory. Also, um, I think I forgot to mention this. How old is your character? 20 years old. 20 years old, okay. Hi, I'm Alexis Dickerson. Um, my character's name is Valkyrie Sorrows, or she goes by Val. Um, she's 16 years old, and her special ability is always to tell if people are being honest with her. And after Alexis here, my character's name is Casey. 18 guy, you know, chaotic neutral. Chaos. This ain't D&D. <laughs> oh, yes. My, you know, special ability, just a master of disguise impressionist. And I, I can't... I can't help but notice that your character doesn't have a last name. Is there a particular reason for that? He's just not about last names. It's not about those labels, man. The simple he guy. Have, he doesn't have parents. <laughs> well, awesome. So now that we've introduced the characters, let's take a dive into the story. So things are going to be a little bit different from last season. Uh, for you all, you're like, what's different? This is my first time doing this, right? But we're actually going to start with the party separated from each other, okay? So David and Brayden, you guys are going to start together. We're going to focus on you in the beginning. And Alexis, we're going to tuck you away for a couple of minutes. But... Eventually, the story's gonna shift to you, okay? Okay. All right, so let me weave you kids a yarn. We are starting this story in the city of XY. And then we'll have like, you know, mystical music like, play. <laughs> Hidden away in a secret mountain range lies the city of XY, the last bastion of humanity in the entire world. Now don't misunderstand, there's still tons of people left on Earth but 99.99% .99 of them just so happen to be women. XY is different though. When the anti-man decree was passed almost a century ago, most men fled the planet and sought a new life amongst the stars. A few, however, refused to leave their lifelong homes, and these men banded together with a group of female sympathizers and founded the city of XY, a place where men and women worked together and raised families, just like in the olden days. The people here lead a simple life, but they are content. And while the rest of the world continues to march forward, this city and its people almost seem to be frozen in time. So that's where you guys are going to start in the city of XY. So David and Brayden, we are going to join you two at the XY target range. And you're in the middle of something known as the Forager exam. 
So foragers, in case you didn't know, which you wouldn't, are the people in X and Y who go out of the city and hunt for animals and also loot the abandoned cities for resources. It's a very important job, but you obviously need to be sneaky, you need to be a good shot so you don't attract attention. So today, you two are taking your final forager exam to see if you're worthy of becoming foragers and being considered men in this community. So David, you start the story with a bow and arrow in your hand, and Brayden, you have a silenced hunting rifle. In front of you are several targets. I'll leave you to figure out what to do next. Okay, well, I think I'm going to shoot the bow and arrow at the target. For those of you who have been here before, when characters try to do an action, they either roll a die or flip a coin. If you roll a die and get an even number, it's a success. If it's an odd, it's a fail. Heads, success. Tails, fail. David, what are you going to be rocking? A coin or some dice? A coin, please, sir. Okay, so flip to see if you hit the target. Rats, it's a tails. <laughs> it's a tails. Okay, so you fire the arrow and it goes really wide. And you hear a voice behind you go, Ugh. Come on, David. Or, now what's your name again? Um, Alexander. So you hear a voice say, Ugh, Come on, Alex, you need to focus. Hit the target. Can you uh, describe this scenery around me just a little bit? I am so glad you asked. People never ask that. So you are actually in the opening of a cave. And inside the cave are all the targets. And you notice that the cave and the targets around them are padded with foam to make as little noise as possible. And you're down at the very base of the mountain. So there's a giant shadow over the entire shooting range. Hmm. And what kind of targets are we shooting at? They're foam targets, like you see at a rifle range or something. All right, I guess I will just... uh say, hey, I'm a forager. Why do I need to shoot things? Okay, and the voice behind you sounds really annoyed, and he says, you want to eat vegetables your whole life? Sure, why not? Smart. So <laughs> this character whacks you on the head. <laughs> and he says, less talking, more aiming. All right, all right. And I go ahead and shoot for the target as well. All right. And I got an even number. An even number. Okay, so your aim is true. You hit a bullseye, and the voice says, boy." And the character turns back to Alexander, says, Try doing that next time. And Alexander, it's your turn again. So now that we know the scenery, I know that I can hit it now. So this time, I'm going to pull it back. I'm going to take my time, and then I'm going to aim for the exact same target. I flipped heads. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Tails. Okay, you hit Brayden. <laughs> <laughs> Minus God. one hit point. <laughs> Minus one hit points. You're dead. So your aim is true. And what do you know? You actually hit. It's like in that old animated Robin Hood movie. You notch the bow and, well, he's not using an arrow. He's using a gun. But you hit right in the bullseye where David hit before. And the voice behind you says, now that's more like it. Okay, let's try one more time, guys. This time, you know, the troublemaker that I am. I decide to just put the rifle, you know, between my arm and my back. I face away from the instructor and randomly pull the trigger while pointing the gun by okay. my back. And I'm now rolling my dice. And I've rolled a six. You rolled a six. Okay. So you turn to the instructor and just so you know, his name is Coriander Bathwater. He is one of the lead foragers here at X and Y. Oh, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> what? Coriander <laughs> Bathwater. Oh my goodness. Oh, hey, hey, it's a family name. I wish you guys wouldn't be so rude, okay? He can't help it. 
Oh no. I was like, what's a stupid him. name? Bathwater. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Brayden or Casey, I'm going to flip between your real names and character names. I'm so sorry. So you turn over to him, you're like, watch this. And then you pull off the sickest 360 no-scope. And bam, you shoot right through David's arrow. Oh my goodness. And then I blow the smoke off the barrel. And Coriander goes, that may be the coolest stupid thing I've ever seen. He says, all right, uh, um, Casey, I hate to say it, but it looks like you just passed. And then um, Coriander turns back to you, Alex, and he says, all right, let's see if you can hit your last one. How am I going to one-up this one? <laughs> we'll see. Well, this time I'm going to go for two arrows with one bow. Ooh, Ooh. double the chance for disaster. I like it. And I got heads. Okay. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. So you say something along the lines of GG easy, and then you notch the arrows and get a bullseye on two separate targets. <laughs> and Coriander just, he's like, you guys are a bunch of show-offs, man. <laughs> and then he says, well, I never thought I'd live to see, I never thought I'd live to see this day ever happen, but Casey, Alex, heaven help us. I guess you're foragers now. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations. Yada, yada. Here's your imaginary award or whatever. Let's take you back to town to celebrate. And then All you right. go back to town with Coriander. All right. So you walk back to the city of XY and it's kind it's almost Amish like in its um, creation. So like I mentioned in the um, description, this is 80 years after being a man became illegal, so to speak. So this city is in hiding, and they kind of have to live off the grid. There's a little bit of electricity here, a little bit, but it's mostly just, you know, everything's hand-run, if you know what I mean. So you walk into the city of XY, and you're walking towards, actually, you're walking towards Casey's house. No, I'm sorry, you're walking towards Alexander's house. And Coriander knocks on the door, and a man, two men come outside, and they're both beaming from ear to ear. And the first one says, Alex, my boy, a forager at last. I, I assume at least. You are a forager, right? Yes, I made it. Oh, thank the stars. Ooh. And you notice that this man is Maximus Bordeaux. He is your father and the leader of the XY colony or city, whatever you call it. And next to the other man, you see a German looking man. And he turns to Casey and he says, oh, please be a forager. Please be a forager. I guess. And this other man is your father, Casey. His name is Rick Toffin Schrodinger. And I begin to see why you didn't want a last name. Because Schrodinger is a bit of a mouthful. So Maximus turns back to you two and he says, Congratulations, boys. Or should I say, congratulations, men. You finally become foragers and you're finally considered men. Casey, took you a little bit. You're 20 years old. What were you doing with your life? But... You're finally men, great job. The way it works in the city of XY, a, man, a boy or a girl is considered a man or a woman when they complete their apprenticeship and finally choose their profession. It's supposed to happen at 16, but I don't know what happened with you, Brayden, but something didn't work out. Didn't you say you're like 20 years old? No, that's me. Oh, no, that's you. That's... I'm so sorry. Maxima <laughs> says, oops, wrong child. My bad. I'm 18. It's okay, <laughs> Dad. You've only been with me for 20 years. So then Coriander says, you're both a bunch of slackers, whatever. Then he gives you guys these two, like, certificates. Congratulations, hunters, whatever. I'm going to go, or foragers. I need a stiff drink. And then he walks away. So then, do you guys want to say anything to your parents or to your fathers? Dad, you've always been there for me. Eh, sometimes. 
That's true. That's true. And you forgot how old I was. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Maybe, maybe you don't care about me as much as I thought. Anyways, anyways. So, um, hey, Dad, you're going to give me some of that money? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I should mention, by the way, that um, it's been about 80 years since society collapsed. So, you know, it's not really dollars anymore. You guys trade in shiny rocks, okay? Give me some shiny rocks, Dad. Who's okay, rocks? Here's, here's your allowance. So your fathers give you... <laughs> 10 shiny rocks each. <laughs> oh man, what can I get with that? I guess we'll find out. So then Maximus turns to you two and he says, So now since you two are both considered men, you can finally join in on our city council meeting. We're having one tonight and we'd love to see you two men there if you want to join. Hey, sounds like a good time, broski. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then um, Alex, Maximus turns to you and he says, also, here's a little president or president. <laughs> here's a little present um, for your graduation. And he takes a necklace off from around his neck and he hands it to you. And you see the necklace. It's just a regular piece of string, but there's some sort of metallic rectangle being held up by the necklace. And he says, keep that somewhere safe. It's very important. Okay, I guess I will, but I don't know why it's on a string. Okay, smarty pants. Put some rope around it. And then he gets really sassy with you. I, I will, Dad. I will. <laughs> okay. And then um, Maximus and Ricktop and turn to each other. They say, we got to get ready for tonight's meeting. You boys go mess around or whatever till tonight, and we'll see you then. Okay, we'll mess around, whatever that means. What that means is I'm done railroading you. That's in English. So you guys are free to go and do whatever you want now. I hear Ooh. flip at them. <laughs> you do what? I hair flip at them. Suck it, old folk. <laughs> like, whoa, what a bodacious teen. <laughs> Great. Excuse so, me, that's Barnacle Man. Barnacle Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Rick Toffin and Maximus leave you two, and you guys are free to do whatever you want until evening. All right. Let's, Let's go see. get some milkshakes. Okay, so, um, I. There are no milkshakes here. This is like Amish country. Oh, man. I mean, you can, can go, you can go suck a cow udder if you want, but I wouldn't recommend that. Oh Jeez. no! <laughs> that has ruined many a movie. <laughs> Doesn't get fresher than this. Mm. <laughs> what does the uh, what does the village look like? So you are by um you're by your houses right now. There's your house, Casey, and your house, Alexander. You see, it leads directly into a town square, which leads off into several other locations. So you can head to the town square if you want, and then that'll branch off into the rest of the city. Let's do that. So you head to the town square, and all you see is a simple fountain. That's the thing that marks the town square. But although it is basic and kind of uninteresting, the town square serves as a connecting hub to all the other important areas of the town. As you look around the square, you see lots of people walking around going about their business. And you also see one of the town bums attempting to peddle their shady wares to passerbys. The bum happens to see you boys and says, Hey boys, you want to see something cool? Get over here. Okay. Mm. I say, let's check him out. Okay. So that voice is murder on my throat, so I won't do that anymore. But he sees you guys. He's like, hey, what are you kids doing? Alex, Casey, how's it going, my boys? And then he has one of those big trench coats, and he opens it up, you know, like in those old mobster movies. He's got all these <laughs> different items in his trench coat. And he says, all right, boys, I went, I snuck into the forbidden, or I snuck into the abandoned cities recently, and I found all sorts of wares you boys might like. And he pulls out this first thing. And you don't know what this is, but it's this giant square cube thing. And there are different numbers of dots on each side of the cube. And he says, this thing's called like a rectangle roller. It's like a lucky charm, you see? Only five shiny rocks. 
You're out of your mind, old man, old bum dude. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I know, I know. You know a scam when you see it. Tell you what, seven shiny rocks. Dude, did you, do you not know how math works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You guys seem like smart customers. Okay. So then he pulls out, he pulls out this purple, this purple container. And he says, this is some sort of ancient artifact I see. It's called L'Oreal. It's some kind of love potion, you see? You drink a bit of it, and you're unresistible to the closest lady you see. Must buy. Only five shiny rocks. I'm in, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure doing business with you, boy. And he gives you um the mystical container of L'Oreal love potion. All right. All right, he's like, I got one more wear for you boys if you're interested. Let's hear it. Okay, and he pulls out this weird wooden slab. And what you notice is there's a string on the wooden slab, and it's connected to what looks like a rubber ball on the bottom. <laughs> so he says, so this thing right here, this is like an alien deflection device. And he grabs the paddle and starts swinging the ball on top of it around. You just spin it over your head, and the aliens ain't standing a chance. Well, I hope you have, you know, some aliens coming to you soon, because you're going to be keeping that. <laughs> oh, worth the shot. Okay, boys, that's all I got for today, but check back tomorrow. We got some fresh new sales every day, or my name ain't Stinky Pete. All right, Stinky Pete. We'll see you later. Thank you for the L'Oreal. See you boys later. It's L'Oreal. It's a mystical potion, man. <laughs> oh, L'Oreal. Okay. L'Oreal. <laughs> From the mystical land of Shampoo. Uh, and All obviously right, you recognize Pete. I'm just being cute. It's shampoo, right? Oh, yes. Yes, but none oh, of you yes. have ever seen shampoo, so you wouldn't know that. Is our hair extremely greasy? Well, you you use, like, lye. You know how people used to make soap oh, out of that? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of old school. So, from the town square, after you leave Stinky Pete, you can go to the greenhouse, the doctor's clinic, the school, the shooting range, or Rebecca's house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Rebecca. So, Alexander, you would know specifically, you bought this love potion because there's a certain Rebecca that you've been wanting to impress. Oh, Rebecca, here I oh, come. Oh, Rebecca. L'Oreal, mm. <laughs> <laughs> help me. Okay, so, what, you want to try drinking some of that? L'Oreal. Do I, do I drink it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm going to drink it. Do I have to flip a coin? No, you can drink it, don't worry. Yeah, you have to drink it. <laughs> I don't even get the chance to fail at this. So, so you roll for poison control to see whether or not... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so you pop open the bottle, you down it, you feel like dying, <laughs> and after coughing up several bubbles, you feel like the sexiest man in the entire town. Okay. You're like, ladies, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> and Casey, you're like, yeah, bro, you got this, you got this, bro. <laughs> you're hyping me up, Casey. What's yeah, what's your yeah, speech? Man, you got this. Yeah, give me some I of that this. later. Slap a bit of that behind your ears, there, buddy. <laughs> okay, great. So, um, where do you head to next? We don't get any resolution from Rebecca's. Well, you can head to Rebecca's house. That's what I'm saying. If you want to walk. There. Okay. I am going to walk over with Rebecca uh, to Rebecca's house. Would you like to come, Casey? Oh, no. I think I'll see about, you know, the rest of the town here. That makes more sense. It was a fake. It was a fake offer anyway. <laughs> Good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> Don't want you messing up my moves, man. My mojo. My mojo. Gotta keep him on his game. <laughs> Great. So you two split ways, and Brayden, we'll get back to you in a second. So now the party has been splintered into three groups. Fantastic. 
That'll make it not hard at all. So, David, you swagger over to Rebecca's house. And Rebecca's house is just like any other. It's just a wooden... It's a nice little wooden house with three rooms, and you walk up to the front door. What do you do? I, um... First, I peer into the window to see if if the lights are on. (laughs) You peer into the window, and you see her. Rebecca. Along with her mother and father and her um, younger sister, um, Stacy. I am going to tap on the window and point towards the door to let me in. Okay, so Rebecca sees you, and you can't hear her through the window, but you see her kind of like, ugh, and roll her eyes. Oh, no. (laughs) And then she walks walks over to the door. She's like, what? And then I... (laughs) And then I, uh, I just say... Hey, how's it going? He's like, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Okay, so Rebecca's like, good. (laughs) Do I have bubbles coming out of my mouth? What what is going on? Every couple of sentences you hiccup in some bubbles. You drink shampoo, so... (laughs) <laughs> Alright, so what is my what is the relationship that I have with Rebecca? Um, you and Rebecca are the exact same age. You guys went to school together, you guys have grown up together, but you would not know this because you are not from this time period. But if she lived in the modern age, you'd feel she gives off that kind of stoner chick kind of vibe. Oh, okay. Okay. What is there to do in this Amish land? Are you asking me or Rebecca? You, I'm actually asking you. <laughs> um, not much, actually. The only the only people who really get action are the foragers, because they get to go and explore the old world. Um, okay, otherwise... okay. I, I, I got it. Hey, hey, I asked Rebecca, hey, did you know, you know what happened today? What? I became a forager. That's right, baby. Cool. You're not excited that I became a forager? She stares at you deadpan. I am so happy for you. You don't seem very happy, Rebecca. Words cannot express the joy overflowing in my heart. I feel like they could, and you're not expressing them very well. <laughs> okay. uh, Rebecca's like, okay, congrats or whatever. You want to hang out or something? My parents are lame, so I don't want to be here. Man, I'm a forager now. I ain't got time for this. If you're not interested, I'll be on my way. Rebecca says, okay. And then she closes the door. <laughs> <laughs> Instant regret. (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) Some more bubbles. (laughs) Brayden, what are you Uh, up to? (laughs) Or Casey? Can can I hear about the uh, the other places in the village again? Yeah. So besides what you've seen already, there is the greenhouse, the doctor's clinic, the school, um, the shooting range. Oh, and I forgot to mention the bunker. Okay, what is the bunker exactly? Sorry the bunker, for all the bunker, mysterious. Um, the bunker is an escape route for the town in case it's ever discovered. It's not actually a bunker, I don't know why it's called that, but it's a series of tunnels that lead out on the other side of the mountain in case you ever have to escape. Ah. Uh, so okay. far in the 80 years of XY, that's never had to happen, but it always helps to be prepared. I am going to go to the, uh, the gun range and just start collecting supplies. So you go back to the gun range and you see about a half dozen bows and arrows and silenced hunting rifles. All right, I'm going to just go ahead and pick up a hunting rifle and just place it on my back. Just going to make that, you know, my staple weapon for this uh, for this day, if possible. Okay, and um, if you guys have a notepad or something, just make sure you keep your stuff written down because it might be helpful. All right, and David, um, what do you do after your encounter with Rebecca? Is there a pub around here? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a there's a milk milk bar. I'm sorry. 
a milk bar. Do they just sell regular milk there, like unpasteurized milk? You know it. That's the only kind of milk there is. It's not a Stanley (laughs) Kubrick movie, buddy. Okay. Well, I just decided that I'm going to try to milk my troubles away. Mm, Okay. And I mosey on down to the milk bar. Also to try to get rid of the the stomach ache that I've started to develop. Okay, so you go to the milk bar, and it's this little wooden shed, and inside there's this barkeeper, and next to him is just this cow inside, just, you know, sitting there. <laughs> He's like, welcome to the milk house. What can I get you, Casey? Or not Casey, Alexander? Well, it is a milk house, so I was hoping to get some fresh milk. If you don't mind. Yeah. So then the bartender ducks behind the cow. You hear, and then a second later, he pops up with a glass of milk. Here you go. All right. So I walk over. I say, well, thank you, kind sir. And I just chug it right on down. Okay. So I would say you shudder, but this is what you've been drinking all your life. (laughs) It actually does help you feel better. Uh, Washes away the shampoo a bit. So you're, you're good. Is that, is that, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Meanwhile, I will just go hang out by the bunker as, you know, a curious cat trying to check out the local scene. So you go to the bunker, and the bunker is hidden. There's a rock in front of it, which, when you're this close, you can easily see it and roll it away. But to a casual passerby that didn't know anything was there, they wouldn't notice it. I go inside. Okay, you go in the bunker, and it's this... It's completely black, completely pitch black, because there's no electricity down here. But there's a little railing you can use. And if you want to, you can walk all the way to the bottom of the mountain. All right. Um, you know what? Are there any torches nearby or anything like that to light the way? There's one. And you can light that if you want. Let's go for it. Okay. You light the torch and you walk down to the bottom of the mountain. Yep. Great. You are now at the bottom of the mountain. What's down there? Desert. As far as the eye can see. Ah. Uh. Absolutely nothing of significance. All right, let's just, uh, let's move along here. I start walking. Uh, I'll find something eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything of interest, though, like outside? Um, you get the feeling there is not. The abandoned cities are on the other side of town. Gotcha, I'll just head back then. Okay, so you just want to say you meet David at the milk bar? Sure. Okay, so you see David drinking his troubles away, and you guys reconvene. Hey, Casey, what brings you in here, man? Just trying to see what's popping in town here. Oh, well, you know, just me and this, me and this nice cow here. Well, I guess I'll see you later. I'll leave you to do it. <laughs> what, what, what did you come here for? <laughs> I'm lonely, Casey. Yeah, feel free to keep exploring if you guys want, you know? Alright, I'm gonna go to one of those abandoned villages. Let's go for it. Yeah, you can head to one of the abandoned cities or villages if you want to, but that's... I'm not sure if I made it clear yet, but they're like really far away. It's gonna take you hours to make it to the nearest city, so you can go if you want to, but just be prepared for quite a long hike, okay? (laughs) Alright, I will go to the school then. Okay, so you enter into the school of XY and you find it completely empty. School's out of session at the moment, and even if it weren't, you've already graduated. Currently, the school only has five girls in attendance, one of them being Casey's little sister, Lily. Hey, what's up? I say as I approach my little sister. Um, there's currently no one in the school because it is summer vacation. Ah, you're right. You, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) You can search around the room if you want to. You can do a perception check or whatever. What is around the room? Let's roll for that. Yes. And I got... 
a 14, which is an even number. Awesome. So you see a chalkboard, a couple of desks, and you also see a textbook labeled The History of the War on Men. Let's go for it. So you read, you open up the textbook, and the textbook says, We're not quite sure how the war happened, but for whatever reason, all the men, or all the women on Earth turned against the men and began killing and massacring them. The last few surviving men either fled to outer space to set up a colony somewhere in the stars, or they fled and took refuge with a couple of female sympathizers. I can't say that word. And that's synthesizers. Synthesizers. You with a couple of women DJs. Yeah. And that's how the school or how the city of XY was formed. They said we believe that other small cities like this also exist, but we're unaware of any of their locations. And that's what the textbook tells you. All right. Anything else in the room of interest? Um. No. Nothing else. All right. Then I will. Uh, I will journey out. Perhaps I'll go for a, a nice nap. <laughs> okay, you can nap until evening if you want to. Yeah, let's go for that. Okay, do you want to take a nap as well, David? You know what? I eventually pass out on the bar <laughs> stool. I wake up an hour later, and then I just decide to waltz home. Okay, so do you two go home? And gosh, okay. So let me tell you guys about your house as quickly as you head home. So Alexander, um, you or no? Let's start with Casey first. So Casey, you live in a simple three-bedroom house. There's one room for you, one room for your parents, and one room for your younger sister, Lily. You don't usually spend time at home very often because your father, Rick Toffin, is a doctor, and he keeps all his supplies at home, and it's very messy. He's a good doctor and a good dad, but he's very, very disorganized. Aren't we all? Aren't we Aren't all, yes. Aren't we all? And um, Alexander, your house is the same layout as Casey's, but you don't actually have any siblings. There's one room for yourself, one room for your parents, and a spare room that your family has dubbed the talent room. So your mother, Annabelle, is a very talented musician, so there are tons of different instruments along the walls. And there's also a huge map on the wall of the house, or on the one of the walls inside the house, and it shows a map of XY and the surrounding areas, and points of interest are labeled with big X's. And then at the very end, there is, or at the very um, end of the house, there's a coffee table, which Maximus and his family, or and the rest of the leaders of XY usually sit around to discuss the goings-on of the town. I'm gonna go look at the map real quick while I'm in the haze. Okay. <laughs> Whatever haze that I'm in, I'm still hiccuping a little bit. And I, I, I just, I walk over there kind of half, like, half eyelids, eyelids half open. And I'm peering at the map. What do I see? So you take a look at the map, and it shows on the far left side, it says XY. And then the points of interest show things like abandoned cities or monster camp or something. And then at the very edge of the map, there's this huge black X that says, stay away. Okay. So I peer at the black X and I start to notice it for the first time and start thinking about what's there. And then I go into the bed and then quickly forget about it and fall asleep. Okay. So you guys fall asleep and um, you're actually both woken up by your parents or your father's Maximus and Rick Toffin. They say, hey, wake up. Time for the meeting if you want to come. Oh, sure. sure, yeah. Grab my uh, my rifle and I go. Okay, so Casey, you go into Alexander's house. Alex, you're already there. And you go inside the living room and you see all these men and women who are the leaders of XY. And they're sitting around this communal table. And they say, oh, Alex, Casey, welcome, join us. Welcome, new men of XY, or whatever. Thank you for the great honor. 
Yeah, so you guys just sit down, and Maximus says, All right, men and women, or all right, guys, let's get down to business. And he begins a very long, very boring status report about the crop yields, about, you know, the supplies. And then Rick Toppin says, Oh, here's the surplus of medicine we have, and it's very, very boring. I want you two to roll to see if you stay awake during this. 18. 18, okay. I got a Tails. Tails. Okay, so David, you're still, or Alex, you're still under the effects of the soap shampoo milk, so your head just hits the table and you kind of just collapse to the floor. And Casey, (laughs) it's been very difficult, but you are just barely able to stay awake. That nap came in handy. (laughs) Yeah, and as they get near the end of the meeting, Maximus says, and now finally... It's time to tell my men about this special thing I brought them today. Or, he's referring to the necklace. And he turns to his son, Alexander, and looks very disappointedly at his slumbering body. So then he turns to you, Braid, and he says, Okay, I'll tell you instead, and you can just fill him in while he's sleeping. What a slacker. When this great war started between men and women, as I've told you before, and as I'm sure you all know from the history books, a lot of the men fled to outer space for safety. And although it's believed that it's actually a secret where they're located, we were actually given the coordinates right before our fellow brothers left. And as he's continuing to talk, you suddenly hear this banging on the door outside, like bang, 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 bang. And then Maximus like, who, what the devil, or something. So he goes over, yanks open the door, says, what are you doing disturbing our meeting? And then he gasps, and he kind of steps back for a second, and inside walks this man that you've seen before. You recognize him as one of the foragers. And he, his clothes are torn up, he's got blood all over him, and he's gasping for breath. Well, I'm asleep. Yeah, you're asleep. <laughs> well, I'm asleep. Um, Casey, you want to wake your friend up? Sure, I shake him awake. Okay. So, oh, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Uh, so the the runner or the forger comes and he's like, oh gosh, guys, it's not good. And then Maximus like, what's wrong, man? What happened? And he says, you weren't followed, were you? And he says, I was careless. They're coming. They're coming. And then... Um, while you're listening to him talk, you hear this whistling sound in the distance. You cock your ears for a second, and the room goes silent. And the whistling gradually gets louder and louder and louder. And suddenly, Rick Toppin says, Everybody duck! And, um, then the room explodes. Nice. Nice, yeah. <laughs> for the record, I wasn't looking at the explosion. Okay, so the room explodes, and what do you guys do? Are, are, are we under is debris? This after the explosion? <laughs> yeah, this is a few seconds after. I want to see what you how you guys respond. Are, um, is the house collapsed on us? So the front part of the house is completely collapsed. Uh, you're okay where you are, but the other half of the house is gone. Can we see out of the house now? Yeah, you can see out of the house. Do you look outside? Yes. So you look outside the house, and you see on a cliffside to the very far edge of the city, you see dozens of really harsh lights shining down on you. And you've seen electricity before, like you've got flashlights, but you've never seen electrical light this powerful before. I assume that our families and stuff are, they're all dead at this point. Maybe, maybe. So actually- Can we see any of them in the, like, you know, they were next to us. (laughs) So then I start searching through the debris and I go, dad, dad, where are you? So you dig up Maximus and Rick Toppin. They're both coughing heavily, and you see that each of them have a gimped arm at this point. Like, it's been completely destroyed by the explosion. And Maximus is coughing. He's like, (coughs) (coughs) they found us. And he grabs you by the hand, David, or Alexander. He says, get everyone to the bunker. Grab your sister. 
get out of here. I don't have a sister, Dad. Oh my bad, that's Casey who has a sister. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rick Hoffman's like, oh wait, hold on. Get your sister, get out of here. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna run, I guess, and go get my sister. Oh, that totally ruined the moment. <laughs> okay, so you run um, over to your house, and while you are doing so, I want you to roll to dodge. As you hear another whistling sound coming. So you hear specifically- Both of us? Yeah, specifically you hear poof in the distance. And then you hear this tiny whistling sound gradually getting closer and closer towards you. I got a two, which is an even number. Okay. I got a tails. Okay, that's okay, that's okay. So Brayden or Casey, you jump out of the way as something explodes right next to you. And Alexander, you were a little bit behind him, so you don't get hit by it, but you're momentarily disoriented by this explosion and you can't really move at the moment. Ah, uh, gotcha. Flashbanged. So, Brayden, you run into your house, and you see your mother and your sister Lily just kind of running around in panic. All right, I'm just going to pick up my little sister and tell my mom to get everyone around, you know, to the bunker. Your mother doesn't speak. Her face is white, but she nods. And then your sister Lily says, what's happening, big brother? I'm scared. And then I just kind of pick her up. I'm like, we got to get to the bunker. You know, don't worry about it. Keep your eyes closed. So her eyes, actually, before you close them, get really wide. And she says, that's only where we're supposed to go if there are bad people. And at that point, I just, you know, kind of get silent. I grab a couple things that are around, you know, like clothes and whatnot. Oh, and okay, actually, there's, we... there is stuff in your house if you want to grab it. Okay, so what all do we have the option to grab? All right, so since you live here, um, you see a bottle of medicine. Since your father makes medicine, there's a bottle there. Or s some cream, rather, some cream. You also see a hand crank flashlight and a photo of your family. I'm going to grab that, throw it in a bag, and then pick up my sister, and we're going to we're gonna run. Okay, so you hop out of the house, and um, Casey, or Alexander, gosh, at this point, you are beginning to get your bearings, and you see your friend Casey running out of his house with his sister. I go, wait, Casey, where are you going? Get everyone to the bunker, you know, in the town. We got to save everybody and get out of here. Okay, bro. Um, let me grab some stuff real quick, and can I join you? <laughs> Yeah, I just kind of yell back, you know, like, get out get out there now so that we can get everyone out. Okay, so, Brayden, you're going to start running to the bunker with your sister, Lily. And, sure. David, what are you going to be doing? I'm going to grab a few things around me. I'm going to grab my bow and my arrow. So you step over your injured and bleeding father and grab some stuff? I do. Yep, that's what I do. Actually, I, forgot, <laughs> I, I did forget to mention this. So you go back into the house. And you notice that um, Maximus and Richtofen are both gone, actually. Oh, okay. I mean, you see the corpses of everyone else, but they're gone. Uh, okay, so I, I go, whoa, that was weird. I shouldn't have drank that milk. Gosh. And then I continue <laughs> looking for supplies. Okay, so what you find in here, there is the map of XY and the surrounding area. You also find your mother's silver harmonica, a hand crank flashlight similar to what Brayden has, and... I wanted something fun, an item pertaining to your special talent. What was your special talent again, David? Uh, silver-tongued and photographic memory. So you have, let's see, what's what's something, what's a little cool item you want that pertains to that talent? Um, yeah, a notepad, a notepad could work. I feel like I could think of something better under other circumstances. You grab your notepad and you book it out of there and you notice um, that the whistling stuff or whatever has stopped, and you actually hear several gruff voices 
um, heading in your direction. And I want you to roll a stealth check quickly. Okay, stealth check. Here we go. I got heads. Oh, okay. So you see several figures dressed in black with flashlights, and they shine it over in your direction. But you're able to quickly dodge out of the way, and you hear a voice say, Hold on a second, I think I just heard something. And you hear a set of footsteps slowly beginning to come towards you, but then you hear another voice say, Never mind that, we got a job to do, stick to the mission. And then you hear the footsteps turn around, and you hear what sounds like several rifles being loaded. Okay. And you notice that they're heading in the direction that Brayden ran off to. Okay, well, I go, I look for my bow and arrow, and I sneak up on them. I, I start, I start following them. So you see three figures, and they've all got guns, and you see them, they find, they make it to the town square, and they begin firing indiscriminately into the crowd of people that were there. And you hear screaming and bodies falling all around you. Alright, so I say, good thing I practiced that double shot. <laughs> Sure, I'll allow it, I'll allow it. Um, notch two, okay, okay, actually, I'll give you a chance to do something. So, if you roll one heads, you'll get two arrows off. But if you roll me two heads in a row, you'll get three arrows off. Okay, sounds good. Okay. I got one heads. Okay. I got a second heads. Oh, okay. Uh, where do you want to aim? I want to aim right in the in their back, right between their shoulder blades. Okay. So you right through the heart. So you fire your arrows, and they shoot at the figures, and the arrows bounce off all of them. You hear like a metallic clink as the arrows hit them, and the figures, you know, they're hit by arrows, so they all collapse to the ground with a thud. But after a second, they pick themselves up. They're like, "What just happened?" And they try. They turn around to your direction, David, and they see you. Uh, so I immediately run the other direction. Okay, roll me. Um, what do I want to call this? Roll me a dodge check as they begin to open fire on you. Oh no! Oh, I got a tails. Oh, okay. So you actually begin dodging their shots at first, but while you're so busy looking, you ram into another figure. And this figure, well, yeah, you fall, you ram into another figure and you fall to the ground. And as you look up, you see it's another figure dressed in all black with a gun. And the figure says, say your prayers. And all of a sudden, you see the rifle butt of the gun coming into your face and you're knocked out. Oh no. All right, so David, you are out of commission for a little bit. <laughs> so let's hop over to Brayden. Brayden, what are you doing now? Yeah, so I'm just going to say that, you know, seeing all the people get shot at, I took my little sister to the outskirts of town. You know, we snuck away. Is that possible? Yeah, so Lily, actually, she's struggling a little bit. She says, wait, you left daddy back there. And she's struggling to try and get back to where the action's happening. I'm just going to say that I... I, you know, hold her back, and I'm like, he's not coming. He's not coming. And then she starts crying really, really loudly. Like, yeah! But more feminine, you know? <laughs> you gotta oh be my quiet. God. We're trying to get away. <laughs> and she doesn't respond. I miss daddy. <laughs> and that's when I just kind of, you know, shrug, and I'm like, well, I'm screwed. <laughs> so you just run faster? Yep. So you keep running, and... You would have been caught at this point, but actually David inadvertently um, stalled those girls when he shot at them. So you're actually able to arrive at the bunker unharmed. Gotcha. Yeah, so you make it to the bunker, and when you get there, you actually see Maximus and Richtofen already there. And they've opened up the entrance to the bunker, and they're trying to shepherd as many people through it as possible. They're like, hurry, hurry, get in, we don't have much time. 
All right, let's get everyone inside. Okay, so you help, st you start helping to shepherd people inside. And for convenience sake, do you just want to hand your sister over to your dad for safekeeping? Yeah. And he says, I'm going to take Lily um, to the other side of the mountain. You meet me down here after you get everyone through, okay? All right. And Rick Toppin looks to you and says, son, be safe. And then I just sort of nod and I, I go on. Okay, then Rick Toppin runs off with your sister and you help people get through and you do this for a couple of minutes until finally you hear the gunshots that have been steadily approaching you um, finally get within 100 feet of you. And you see lights starting to shine on you and the other people trying to run through the bunker. I'm just going to pull out my gun and start popping off a couple shots. Okay, <laughs> roll me a check. We've got another two. Ooh, okay, so unlike a bow and arrow, you're packing heat. So you hear like a ugh, and you see one of the figures firing collapse. And now they're firing back at you. Roll me a check. We got 14. So you're able to nimbly dodge, nimbly dodge away, and you're right at the entrance of the bunker. What do you want to do? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and slide right in and pull the stone back behind me. Okay, so you pull the stone back behind you and you're in pitch darkness. You hear several figures run up to the stone, and they start trying to push it open. Okay, I'm just going to get that flashlight out and start heading down the way of the cave. You know, I was just in it earlier today, so I've got a little bit of an idea. So you start running down through the cave, and what's really surprising is you don't hear a single sound ahead of you. Like you thought you'd hear some of the refugees and some of the other people. Still going to keep going. Okay, yeah. so you make it to the base of the mountain. You get out and you see the refugees, you see your father, you see Lily, and they're all just staring straight ahead in horror. What do we see? You look in front of you, and you see what looks like a small army of these figures dressed in black. They've got beams and headlights on you, and you're completely surrounded. Ah, uh, I'm just gonna, like, put the rifle over my shoulders and just kind of say, like, well, there it is. Well, there it is. And then Lily whimpers to Matt or to Rick Toff, and she says, what's gonna happen now, Daddy? And he says... I gotta do what a father has to do. And he takes Lily, and he sees you. He gives you Lily. He says, try to run. I'll give you a couple seconds. All right, we take off. All right, so as soon as you run, Rick Toppin starts popping caps, you know? And that lasts for about a total of two seconds until he's completely lit up and eviscerated. And then guns just start firing into the crowd. You hear screaming and people are falling and dying. And I want you to roll a um, evasion check at disadvantage. So I need you to roll. I need you to roll two times and get two evens. Oh, we got a one. Oh, okay. So instead of getting shot, you just trip on your shoelace. Sure, <laughs> and you collapse right. to the ground. And but for but fortunately, your baby sister cushions your fall. Oh, joy. <laughs> So you collapse to the ground, and you see several of these black figures approach you. And one of the figures takes off their helmet, revealing this woman with a pixie cut and a scar over her face. And she says, well, looky here. Looks like they got a couple of kids with them. And then after that, she lifts up her boot, smacks you in the face, and you are knocked out as well. Dang, I didn't even get to fire back. I know, right? And now we switch to Alexis. Oh, what? Hi. Hey. Thanks I'm for, still here. Thanks for waiting. They took longer than I thought. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the uh, shade. So that was good, guys. That was good. So sorry about everyone dying. That was rough. Okay, so we're going to jump to Alexis quickly. And Alexis, we're going to start you at a place called the Sisterhood. 
Perched atop a massive cliff is a modest but pleasant-looking monastery-like building known as the Sisterhood. The women who reside here called the Sisters come from all over the globe, and they have been tasked by the world government to fix and correct the history of the past. Every sister was brought here at an early age, except for the head sister, and the sisters are not allowed to interact with the outside world for fear of corruption and distraction from their very important duties. So Alexis, it's the middle of the day at the sisterhood, and you're hard at work in front of your computer, rewriting, or as the sisters like to say, fixing history. To your left is history that you have fixed, but to your right are the errors of the past, the blights of man that must be corrected and covered up, lest the new generation be poisoned by these false teachings. So essentially, you're sitting at a desk, there's an in tray and an out tray. Wait, okay, what's what's the space set up? Is it like an office? Is it cubicles? So you're in a place called the pink room, okay? So it's this giant office space. It's a deep shade of fuchsia. And there's just a bunch of little cubicles or little monitor or cubbies rather. And you see dozens of women in here at their computers working like you are. Okay, so a cubicle setup. Yeah, okay. but pink and kind of Doesn't cute. seem like a, okay, doesn't seem like a fun thing. Is my office space decorated? Am yeah. I allowed to do that? What do you want it decorated with? Well, I just didn't know if they were like, if it was like a complete monastery where I could only, like I didn't have any fun. I just wanted to know if I had fun. No, this is like a hip monastery. You've got like a little kitten that says hang in there. You got one of those posters. Are there cats allowed? Please tell me there are cats in this monastery. Every sister is required to have at least one cat. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Just want. Just wanted to know. No, Casual. you're fine. So, like I said, you're hard at work um, correcting history. And Alexis, what you're in charge of doing, you have a position known as the womanizer. And what you need to do, you need to take any kind of media that's ever been created featuring a man or any sort of male attributes, and you need to make it more feminine. That makes sense. Okay. So you reach into your little bin of work and you get a MP3 track with the song Man's World by James Brown. What do you do to fix it? First of all, it wasn't written by James Brown. It was written by Janelle Brown. Ooh. And um, it's Woman's World. Ooh, very clever. Men don't very exist. Clever. You finish Woman's World and then next up you get an MP4 file for the movie 12 Angry Men. <laughs> um... I would just change it to 12 women because women don't get angry. 12 moody women, am I right? Because <laughs> <laughs> anger is a, is a masculine emotion. Oof, oof, well said. Okay. <laughs> Next up, you actually have a giant painting brought onto your desk. And it's a self-portrait by Vincent Van Gogh. Don't you mean a self-portrait by Vinette Van Gogh? Ooh, so you uh, go into your desk and you pull out some paint. And you just kind of like erase the beard and add some long hair and eyelashes. Mm -hmm. Next up, you have a book called A Good Man is Hard to Find by Flannery O'Connor. A Good Woman is Easy to Find by, I don't know, Gabriel. Andy, I, I don't want to change the name. And finally, you receive an audio recording of Neil Armstrong's moon landing quote. That's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. Um... By Nellie Armstrong. Actually, no, Nellie can also be the rapper. Uh, so, <laughs> um, Nessie? Nessie okay. Armstrong. <laughs> um, and then one small step for woman. One large step for womankind. Humanity. I don't know. 
Awesome. So as you're continuing to work, you hear a chime sound on a clock on the wall. And that's signaling to you and to the other sisters that it's time for lunch. Wait, question. So if, like, if XY is a kind of Amish-like land, mm-hmm. uh, since I'm in the sisterhood, even though it has the term monastery, do we have, like, electricity? Like, are, what's, the, what's the aesthetic of the so area? It, it's a monastery in name only. So you've got computers, you've got electricity, you've got fridges and heaters and ovens and stuff, but it is very minimalist, like a real sisterhood. Like, the only computers you're allowed are your own personal laptops and these work computers. Other than that, that's the only technology you have access to. Is the internet still a thing? Uh, it is. As far as you know, you've never actually left the monastery. But all the computers that you have are designed to receive information, but they can't send any. Oh, okay. So what that means is you're given your work, but you can't actually surf the web. Oh, okay. And it's rough. That's fine. Okay, so I'm going to the mess hall. Cool. You're heading towards the mess hall. You're walking over with all your other sisters. And as you're about to walk inside, you are, you're bumped violently out of the way by someone else. And you hear a voice say, oh, my bad, Valkyrie. I didn't see you there. <laughs> oh, who's this? Oh, oh. oh. Mm. So this is your... um quote-unquote rival this is let me look up her name what's her name again oh yeah this is sister rachel she is the um resident jerk of the sisterhood and she hates you because you're a better worker than her well i don't like rachel but i'm gonna take the high road i'm not gonna shove her okay so rachel she's kind of disappointed that you didn't take her you know bait she's like whatever lamery or valkalame i'm working on the insults okay and then she huffs and walks inside the mess hall Can I spit in her food? (laughs) If you do it sneakily, sure. (laughs) Okay. So you walk inside the mess hall, and the mess hall is an open-air dining area where the sisters receive their meals for the day. The work that's done at the sisterhood is of very great importance, so the government has mandated that the sisters are given only the healthiest and most nutritious food in order to help with their focus and concentration. That means there's no Oreos, is there? Um, no. I mean, there's no? there's an equivalent of Oreos, but they're like fiber Oreos with lots of vitamin D. Oh, okay. I guess I know no better. It's my whole life, so. All right, so you want to go order some food? What do you want to eat? Well, what, what options do I have? Oh, gosh. All the girly, healthy stuff. You see little fruit cups. You see organic salads. Um, You see whole wheat quesadillas, that sort of stuff. Oh, do they have acai bowls? I have no idea what that is. See, it's because you're a guy. You don't know. <laughs> I know what it is, Alexis. <laughs> okay, then yes, it's there. It's there. It's pink. It's girly. Whatever. Cool. I'll take an acai bowl. <laughs> okay, you take your acai bowl or whatever, and you sit down to eat. And you're sitting with two of your friends, uh, Sister Gertrude and Sister Rebecca. No <laughs> relation to the other Rebecca. And Sister Gertrude turns over to you, Alexa. She's like, hey, Sister Valkyrie, how was your day of work? It was okay. It was fine. It was cool. What about you? Oh, it was great. Is it Gertrude? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's Sister nice. Gertrude. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. What about you, Rebecca? It, it was great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I love working here. Yeah, so you girls just gossip for a little bit, you know, shoot the breeze. Um, anything you want to ask or talk to your sisters about? I don't know. Like, what's the what's the craziest thing we had you had to fix today? Like, what's the craziest story about men or like thing that a man did? Oh my gosh. Okay, so like, you ever heard of World War II? That took me like all week to fix. Like, how'd you fix it? What happened? What? Well, what didn't happen? Okay, so I, like, learned Photoshop over the weekend, (laughs) and I just put wigs 
on all the men. It was perfect. But what's World War II? Oh, you mean that? <laughs> oh, so it wasn't actually a conflict. There were just some women who chose not to talk to each other for a long time. How did they fix it? Like, how, how did they resolve it? Well, uh, that's the beauty of it. It's never fixed because they never talk to each other again. Oh, okay. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's... Yeah, it was great. It was great. Okay, so you guys, or I'm sorry, you girls continue to eat. And as you're eating, you actually hear screaming coming from the other side of the mess hall. And you hear footsteps racing towards you. And a woman, uh, Sister Becky, comes into the room. She's gasping and out of breath. And she says, girls, the scouting team found men. And then at this point, all the girls are like, what? And they all get out of their tables and they run over to Sister Becky. Because none of you have ever actually seen a living male before. We've only seen dead ones? You've only seen... So, men have all been hunted to extinction as far as you know. So all you've seen are the oh. ones from, like, videos and movies and whatever. Oh, okay. Oh, so does that mean I only see, like... If I'm only doing, like, movies and stuff, I only see the attractive ones? <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> unless you see, like, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, men can be ugly? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah okay as long as i have a pre-notion of what guys are supposed to look like yeah i guess yeah so do you want to follow your other sisters sure why not okay so you run down or walk do you want to walk or run saunter what do you want to do um i'll run we'll cut to the chase so you run down the hall and you s it's difficult to see anything because there are all these other women around you like trying to look at the men and you're a, you're a big girl, so you're able to push your way through the group. And, well, are you a big girl? How big's Valkyrie? I mean... She's like 7'5", right? 7... <laughs> she's like, hey, guys. 8'10". I, I, I lumber my way. Uh, Out of the way, humans. I'm like 5'9", five, five nine, five above nine. average. Yeah. Okay, so you're able to push your way through the crowd, and you see um, what you would recognize as the Sisterhood Scouting Team. They're dressed in all-black armor, and you see a girl with her helmet off, with a pixie cut, and a scar across her face. You'd, you'd recognize her, obviously. She works with you. And you mm -hmm. see that she's holding a rope, and attached to the rope, you see five little girls who have been handcuffed. And you see two what you would recognize as boys, and they've been gagged, bound, and blindfolded. Oh, sh is that, uh, is that, uh, Casey and Alex? I mean, people I don't, people I don't know yet, so I wouldn't know their names. So let's switch over to Casey and Alexander. So you guys recently woke up, you were gagged, bound, and blindfolded, and you hear all these women, like, gag, like, oh, was that a boy? Oh, they're, they're, you know, they're uglier than I thought they would be, stuff like that. Yeah, then, you know, do you guys want to try to do anything? <laughs> When you hear it, shut up, and you're whacked on the head by the woman, <laughs> who, by one of the women. And after this, um, you hear, you hear Lily, actually. She says, brother, what's going on? Who are all these people? I can't say anything, man. I'm bound and gagged. <laughs> and you're hit. Yeah. Well, pretty wise not to say <laughs> So then at this point, um, you hear a voice say, settle down, ladies, settle down. And now we're going to merge the two groups together at this point, okay? And all the women go quiet. You see a very, you see like this woman, very regal, very fancy looking. She's wearing this flowing white dress. She's six foot two. And you would know her as Sister Claudia. She is the leader of the sisterhood. So she goes over to the woman with the pixie cut and she says, Sister Jeanette, what are these things that you found? And Sister Jeanette grins. She says, I had a hunch there was some kind of male colony somewhere out there in the Y-Zone. 
Killed them all, but we brought back the boys. Thought you might have some use for them. So Sister Claudia goes down in front of you, uh, Casey and Alexander. She takes off your blindfold, and she stares you two straight in the face. And she looks at you, kind of with a neutral expression, and smiles for a second. Why, yes. I think we can put these two to very good use. Hi everyone, thank you so much for listening in on the very first episode of Season 2 of Failure to Launch. We hope you had a great time listening, we had a fantastic time making it, and stay tuned, it just keeps getting better and better. You're gonna, you're gonna love it, trust me. So anyways, before we head out, I've got a couple quick announcements to make. First off, I want to let you know about our upload schedule. So, how we've been doing it before, whenever the episodes are finished, we start doing one episode at 7am on Thursday once a week. So it's still gonna be at 7am, but we're gonna move it to Monday morning morning. Figured it'd be better to have the podcast right at the start of the week instead of near the very end. That was kind of a weird choice on my part. Also, I wanted to let you all know about our social media. Failure to Launch has an official Facebook page and a Twitter, and we're working on an Instagram. So we're going to be using those to post any sort of information about the show. We can do fan art there or any sort of fan challenges and just, you know, any sort of fun stuff that may happen, any sort of behind the scenes stuff. That'll be there for you guys to look at, to comment on. So be sure to join, be sure to follow. We're going to try to create this really great thread thriving, fun community based around the podcast. So anyways, I've rambled on for long enough. Links to the Facebook and Twitter will be in the description, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and we shall see you in the next chapter. Ciao!